Today's episode of the Car Podcast, we discuss the all-new Toyota Aorus, Mercedes AMG GT four-door coupe, and the Audi A6. We also get behind the wheel of the Jaguar E-Pace P250, the Bentley Bentayga V8, and the Renault Quid Dynamic Automatic. Welcome to our latest episode of the Car Podcast. Um, with me, we've got Nikesh, we've got Steve Smith has joined us, and uh, Gareth Dean. Um, and we'll welcome a little bit later uh, car intern Damien. Um, yeah, I got back from Geneva last week. Um, it's always a cool show to attend um, as motor shows go. You've got to think they're a, a, a dying breed, seeing as there's not a lot to do at a motor show these days in terms of coverage because most of it's done by guys sitting at their desks back at the office, such as the nature of, of the business these days. But it's always nice to see cars in the metal, uh, kick a few tires, um, yeah, and just in, uh, get a sense of, of what the industry is up to. So Geneva, um, Geneva was a nice show in terms of, uh, it's also a nice show in terms of accessibility, so it's not four or five halls that you, you need a shuttle to get between. Um, you know, there's, everything is in, in two halls, basically. And so it's much smaller than Frankfurt. I mean, I've been to, I haven't been to Geneva, but Frankfurt's yeah, a, a lot mission to get around. The problem with Frankfurt is there's almost, I think, pressure on manufacturers to, to show their whole yeah. to every car that they make. So the nice thing about Geneva is, is the confines of that um, convention center means that the manufacturer can't dump its whole portfolio in there. They, they kind of need to be mm. quite a little bit more picky, picky about yeah. what they show. So um, Some highlights for you then? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Polestar and the Volvo stand for me um, drew a lot of attention. Um, there was a kind of a quiet confidence about it. Um, the, the stand itself was in the middle of the show, so you, you kind of, were, your, your eyes were always um, drawn towards it. It helped that it had an elevator um, or emergency exit pillar, and it was wrapped around one of those, so it was kind of like a beacon of in the, in the center. And then. Um, they launched a V60, which is a cool model for them, nice looking wagon. They got a nice boost the night before the show started because they um, the XC40 won European Car of the mm -hmm. Year. Mm -hmm. That was a timely boost for them. And then obviously they had Polestar 1 on display, which is just such a Jeez, cool looking look car. Look at that. And the more pictures I see of it, the more I'm yeah, they had a, they had a white car and then a, a, a matte gray car. And for me, the matte gray was just incredible. So drew a lot of attention, um, yeah, and you got to th there was a quiet confidence about Volvo that uh, that I really liked. And not too far away from Volvo was Mazda, which uh, I think I have a sneaky suspicion they're about to go on a nice roll. I mean, the cars, the concept cars they've got look great. Um, some nice products. So, um, yeah, Toyota obviously has a big presence there. Um, I was a bit disappointed that they didn't show the actual Supra, rather they yeah. showed a Gazoo Racing uh, kitted out Supra. Um, and it was parked alongside the other Gazoo racing um, cars. So they had Janil de Villiers' uh, Dakar Bucky, they had the LMP1 car, and they had a WRC car. But for all of that, I just couldn't help but think they'd love a few more trophies parked in front of those cars. So the LMP1 cars won a few, the endurance title, but not Lamar. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, and then um, probably the highlight of the, other than the Supra, was Horus, which we're going to chat about now. Um, snuck in the back a little bit. I didn't see it till late in the show. Um, but yeah, quite a dramatic style styling. I'm not sure what you guys think of it. Yeah, I mean the Oris is the story that probably the best on our web with all, all of the the genuine the genuine reveals. Um, and I think that's because this is a very very important car for them. Uh, the last 
crop of big selling hatchback they had was probably the Runex, if you excuse the Etios, I mean in this segment. Um, fun fact, I learned how to drive an Aorus, and uh, yes, I did put it in the panel shop a few times. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so we can blame it all on the Aorus then. That'd be, oh, the, oh. that'd be all the power that it had that you put it in. Yeah. It's actually the valve timing in the car wasn't great. Still isn't. <laughs> was that it? It, the valve timing simulated turbo lag very well. I can, I can trump that with a head-on collision in an Aorus on an overseas launch. Okay, so it is yeah. the Aorus then. I, I don't know, I was a passenger at the time, I, I wasn't aware of the, uh, the seething power beneath the bonnet that yeah, no, no, it caused the, the dual VVTI is something to be equipped with. Mm. This was a hybrid, so I mean oh, that was even more... Double trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, needless to say, I'm looking forward to this. The TNGA platform we know from CHR is a fantastic platform. Mm -hmm. This is hopefully going to be a very dynamic car, which the current Aorus is kind of lacking. It's missing that old school Toyota feel. Um, definitely looking forward to this. Should be a better handling car. I mean, that TNGA platform's got low sense of gravity, I think. Mm. Um, we certainly felt that in CHR's handling. Um, it also underpins the, that Lexus UX, which we will see soon as well. Mm. Styling wise, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it's pretty fussy, guys. I like it. I don't know why they, they've gone this route, to be honest with you. You know, if you look at the benchmark, which is usually Golf, then you've got Astra now. Um, they've gone and, and uh, the Peugeot 308, they've, they've heard on the side of conservative styling, which is obviously what the market wants. So they, Toyota's almost gone a Toyota Megane route by putting it quite mm. out there. So mm. they, they might alienate uh, themselves a little bit. Uh, I mean, it'll, I think it appealed to some enthusiasts, but I think there's the older generation historical yeah. Toyota buyer that might confirmation well Toyota have stated that that younger generation is no longer buying their cars particularly in their home market or any cars for that matter not just Toyota so I, I think their styling impetus really has been around capturing the youth um, I think the you know I, I don't know the youth? No, I is it representative this, of the youth? This works for me. Okay. Strong. Got it right. Good news. <laughs> <laughs> but also, then we've had debates about my uh, thoughts on styling. But I think this hits the mark. Like this is exactly what I would want from Toyota on the hatchback. And don't you think they need uh, um, to back it up with a, um, a sports model that's up there with the likes of GTR? The Japanese seem to be straying away from the sports model. I mean, the only proper Japanese hatchback we got at the moment is the Type R. Everyone else is moving yeah. away. So I think what they're focusing now is efficiency. Once they get that right, maybe we will see a sport model, but I do not suspect one. Yeah, look, the Japanese are con traditionally conservative when it comes to bringing out sports cars, and we've seen the gestation period of the Supra. I mean, how long has it been since we saw that, um, what was that, FT180 yeah. concept? Oh, 10 years? Yeah. Just just two or three years ago. I mean, and and the, looking <coughs> at this, this, this Kazoo racing version, it doesn't look very different in terms of style. Yeah, well, technically, we're still waiting for the yeah. Supra. I'm not yeah. sure when they've said they're going to show it. So, uh, I mean, if you, if you look at how some other brands uh, would show a concept and then we'll see the production car pretty smartly after that, this is uh, this is overtly conservative. So, yeah, I think they need to rush something out quite quickly, actually. Well, I mean, they'll claim they've got 86 for enthusiasts, but yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, we know that's hopefully they've done with a bit more power. Um, yeah, a little bit further down the, uh, in the same hall was uh, Mercedes Benz and um, they have some interesting products there. Uh, they also had the V6 X-Class, which um, is due here um, it's later this year. Um, I think they're trying to still negotiate the pricing on that, um, but certainly look good, good looking vehicle. Um, the one they had on the stand had a lot of kit on it, um, roll bars and, and, and side steps and things like that. So yeah, that's exciting. And then um, 
Yeah, AMG, I'm a bit confused by it, because uh, uh, being a, a huge fan of the CLS myself. So AMG GT four-door coupe, um, and they would have loved to, have to call this a GT4, um, as confirmed with an interview with the AMG guys, but obviously mm. GT4 is owned by, I would suspect, Porsche. Mm. And then um, that's a double whammy for them, because the AMG GT four-door would, I would suspect, go neatly up against the Panamera. Uh, in their eyes so um yeah a good looking car but uh, i wonder where whether a cla 63 wouldn't have just sufficed they say no they say this was a gap that needed to be filled and they say they were losing potential customers by not having it um and it's the same story they want it's for the enthusiast driver who still wants to take his kids to sports day still looking so at me <laughs> <laughs> it's a cute a, a bit of a curious one for me because there is obviously some crossover with the, the new CLS. Yeah. Um, certainly they share a drivetrain in, in, uh, in that uh, V6 eh? in the 53 yeah. Yeah. with similar outputs. Uh, I would guess this, this, the handling would be a little bit different, probably a bit sportier and, and this GT four-door coupe would be more expensive. Certainly goes up against Panamera. I don't know, what do you guys think of the car? I mean, like with all cars, we have to drive it first. Um, maybe there will be a massive difference underneath between the CLS. The CLS I know is more of a soft, mm. from what I remember from the last car, it's a bit softer. This is obviously going to be directed more towards their GT, because it is a full-fledged AMG. I think the second full-fledged AMG that they've got. Um, even though they share the same underpinnings, I mean... It's going to have to be softer than that GT, though, if this is for a four-door. Yeah, I just agree with you. I think CLS... The GT is hard, to confirm. CLS range uh, was probably softer, but when you get to CLS 63, uh, soft wasn't one of the words that I associated mm. with it so yeah it'll be interesting to see how this goes i mean they seem confident that there was a gap that needed to be filled and then obviously they'll stop cls the cls range will stop at a 53 mm. so there won't be um, a 63 uh, so they, to, no, they said there won't be a 63 yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll stop at 53 so this is, uh, there goes any comparative tests uh, yeah. between the two yeah. the the 63s point in 70 kilos 900 newton meters um that's a lot that's more than e63 so you can't even say that you just get e63 yeah, well. no, it's out there, and it certainly looks the part. Um, it goes sideways. With the big wing. Yeah, it'll definitely be coming on the back there. Yeah. Look, it's, 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 it's going to have to bring its chops because the Panamera is a superb car in yeah. all aspects. Yeah, it, is. it is incredibly quick, refined, comfortable, and yeah. dynamically fantastic. And uh, um, I, I don't know what you, I mean, you would have seen this the, the M8 Grand Coupe four door also debuted. Geneva and that I think a better looking car and a direct competitor I don't know what you thought of that G great looking car and as you say I think BMW are quite conservative with their concepts so the production version will be as close as down yeah. to that take a few bits of trim off yeah. and hey presto yeah good looking car better resolved design for me I mean, you know it doesn't look like this is a you know, the, the Mercedes looks like an extended GT um, the, the back looks a little unwieldy I think um, whereas the Gee, that, that M8 looks fantastic to me. It's well yeah. proportioned. Yeah. What is interesting as well on this on chatting to the AMG guys is they they see um, Porsche as their and AMG's closest rival. Hmm. Um, not mentioning BMW. When I thought about it a little bit closer, I thought, well, they've got AMG GT, which would be a 911 competitor. Mm -hmm. They've got Project One, which I suppose is Mission E. And then they've got um, AMG GT four door, which will be Panamera rival. So, and of course they build them from um, from scratch, whereas the BMWs generally are derivatives, the inversion. So, 
Interesting take for them. Um, I wouldn't write Gilolio just yet as that M8 um, four-loaded look spectacular on the stand. Hopefully they, they make a production one as closely to that as possible. Yeah, and then on the other side of the hall, um, uh, the complete opposite um, from Mercedes-Benz. I, I was I was wanted to see a smashing uh, Quattro concept or, or, or something on Audi stand and they had a rear-wheel drive uh, Audi R8. Um, they had a, a Formula E car, of which there were a lot at the show, mm. a lot more than Formula One cars. So they had a, the new Gen 5 one. Yeah, okay. uh, they, had a, they had a few of them around. Um, and then uh, Audi's main launch was an A6, which, you know, incredibly important car for them, for Audi, um, and nicely refined, um, certainly looks good in the metal. I think it looks a little bit conservative in some of the photographs, but in the metal there's some interesting lines and creases. Um, yeah, I just, I, I'd be interested to see whether Audi South Africa actually brings it to South Africa. Mm. Really? Well, I think, uh, I mean, sales are, are down, and I think Ferrari Q5 has taken some of the sales from, from A6. And I think A7 will fill that gap just yeah. as well. Yeah, probably. And it's better looking. I agree with you on that. Yeah. Quite conservatively styled. Uh, it, this, this, this doesn't look particularly different from anything else. It looks a little A5 from the front. Um, I mean, it has the, the rear looks a bit different. It's got that that chrome Coast, strip. Yeah. I mean, it's that design, the design piece that everybody's sticking in their car now. That whether it's a light strip that connects the, the rear lamps, or whether it's a chrome strip or something, but you've got to connect your rear lamp somehow. So you yeah. can be the, mm. the breed that's gone out from design school. Yeah, well, like I said, it's obviously a very important car for them, and very important for markets like China and Europe. Um, I do wonder, like I said, though, whether smaller markets that, that aren't they don't sell a lot of volume maybe they make a decision not to bring it at all good point they, they do describe it as being sportier than the outgoing one in terms of its handling well sport seems to be always flung about quite quite regularly said whether or not it is true or not yeah uh, if we can just talk about the engines for this car quickly it's the 330 fsi and the tdi as well and launch initially so i'm guessing maybe a two liter derivative will be mm. released later but that that three liter it's probably the same one that's currently in the uh, RS5 and RS4 for the detuned version. And Q5 as well. Q5, yeah. Great, I mean, it's a great car as well. It is great, but, Light. you know, I... It's not enough power to make cash one. It's not the power. I'm yeah. just... Refinement. Yeah, I think it's too refined, maybe. Really? It doesn't okay, feel okay, okay. too sporty. I don't know if any of you guys probably picked it up. In which case, it's probably perfect for this car. Mm. Yeah, I, I drove the, uh, the A7 recently with those engines, mm. and I agree with you, it is whisper quiet, and it, it feels like it could do with a, a little bit more punch, and coming from me, yeah. uh, <laughs> I like driving sofas, basically, so to, for me to say that is, is quite something. You mean audible punch, or, or actually more power? Uh, yeah, it could do with a bit more drama, a bit more, okay. a bit more of a soundtrack. Mm. It, it's plenty powerful, but mm. when a car's as refined as that, you're not aware of how quickly you're going until you see the flash from the roadside or you look at your speedometer. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> what if, if Audi's smartly segueing into uh, into EVs with this? So when you actually do climb into the next generation, um, A6 with its EV. That's it won't be so jarring. Yeah, it's yeah. like a stepping stone. It's like you wouldn't notice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a possibility. Okay, and then um, uh, we've driven a few cars uh, as we do um, Steve you've driven the Jaguar E-Pace on local mm. soil for the first time um, international review was pretty good yeah um, you agree 
Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very good car. Um, so, uh, Terence drove the car. I deputy editor, uh, beginning of the year, pretty much the same time I drove X2 as well. He was in Corsica to drive that. Um, drove a petrol derivative and uh, the D40 turbo diesel, turbo petrol turbo diesel. His feedback was um, the drivetrain or the transmission, which is a nine-speed ZF source gearbox, uh, was better suited to the diesel. That was one thing, and that the, the car was, if it aired anywhere, it was a little bit heavy because it's based on the, the older um, JLR platform, which owned the Flinty Boat um, and Land Rover Discovery Sport as well. So it's more, there's more steel in it than, than the, the kind of fancier aluminium based one that's, that's in the later models, uh, the F type, uh, F pace, for example. So you, it, it's heavy, it's 1.9 tons, so that's way the same as an F pace, and you can kind of feel it. They've done great stuff with the, with the suspension, so to hide it somewhat. Um, but in acceleration and, and, and braking, it knows it forfeits a little bit. But it's a really good car, really well put together. Um, you, know, you can feel Jaguar's DNA in, in, in the handling, despite the weight. Uh, I would definitely go for the, the, the turbo diesels. That, that uh, D240 was pretty good, um, nice and refined. With the, pet the turbo petrols, that, that, that uh, transmission hunted quite a bit. Styling-wise, I don't know what you guys think. I, I'm not, uh, it's okay for me. I, I like the, the sharper edge look of, of F-Pace. Um, so this is not an F-Pace in terms of its styling um, and its feel as well. It's less dynamic. Um, but they've stated they're going for uh, a market that's 50-50 in terms of male-female, and that's styling, I think, then probably spot on for that. Um, it's a bit softer in all aspects compared to F-Pace, put it that way. And pricing, did they seem uh, optimistic that uh, better exchange rates going forward and hopefully the political yeah. climate might help them price-wise because they've traditionally mm. been a little bit uh, heavy on their pricing. Well, I, I was lucky enough to sit next to their MD, Richard Gouverneur, at, at lunch, and that was the one question I had from him. It was like, you know, you, you've had a pretty good product, but you've really battled with pricing in our market. Um, and for him, it's got to do with volatility of the RAND. If, if, if it doesn't matter where the RAND's at too much. If it's stable, they can kind of predict where their pricing's going to be. But over the last couple of years, um, the volatility of the RAND with the political situation here uh, the, the timing really knocked them, like XE, for example, that, that cars died in this market. Um, when they first looked at it, it was, it was pretty well priced, but then I think the whole uh, finance minister stuff happened when they were about to launch, so that kicked their pricing right out and killed the car here, really. Um, so yeah, they, they, I think they can get their pricing strategy uh, more spot on now with, with the more stable RAND. Um, so yeah, the pricing is competitive. But again, I mean, yes, you know, X2 is good. I've driven that, that BMW X2. Um, XC40, Nikesh, you've driven that, yeah. European car of the year now, and Nikesh, you, you, you really rate it highly. New Q3 coming, um, that little Lexus UX will be in this market as well, I'm pretty sure. Uh, new GLA from Merck based on yeah. the new A-plus platform. So you really have to be have been your A-game in this growing segment now. Yeah, and that's why I want to talk about pricing just for a bit here. If we look at the XC40, it's based on a very a completely new platform. Mm. It's the, the top spec, the D5, has got a similar power output to this, but from what I know, it's going to be entering SA at like 700,000, which is quite a bit cheaper than this. So the E-Pace is based on the old platform, so theoretically it shouldn't cost them mm. that much to mm. make it. Mm. So even if they say this volatility of the RAM, I'm just really confused by that price because Swedes seem to be doing it and they don't have anything like export credits. Have we got confirmed pricing on XE40? It's indicative, but when I was on the yeah. launch, they said it's almost definite that that's what's going to be there. Yeah, the, the, the pricing does look really good on that. 
Look at the Jags are well spec, so we'll have to look at the spec levels as well. Yeah, I mean, XC40 as well. They said the spec level was confirmed, and it was also very generous. Some interesting comparative tests coming up. Definitely something new. Issues to go. Um, another British uh, car which of which pricing doesn't seem to do to matter too much. Uh, Bentley Montego V8. Gareth, you were lucky enough to drive it. Um, still, uh, the looks still haven't grown on me, but um, were you impressed? You know what, the looks have grown on me. I, yeah. I didn't think it would come to that. I don't know. I don't know if there was a bit of Stockholm syndrome stuck <laughs> in the car for a while. Um, but no, it's it's actually uh, it works. It actually, but there are small things like, for example, we've seen press pics of the car with chrome surrounds on the brake lamps, and you wouldn't believe the difference if you Take strip off. those off. All of a sudden, it doesn't look quite so offensive. Yeah. Um, and I spoke to the chap who designed it, uh, Crispin Waters, and. Yeah, I was expecting him to recoil when I did when I asked the question because he must have heard it a million times. You know, what are the greatest challenges and how have people uh, responded to it? And he made a fair point that people were horrified when when Porsche bought out the Cayenne mm. um, because it was just so at odds with the ethos of the brand. But they couldn't be left behind. They had to dip their toes into that market. And yeah, their their first venture into that market is always going to be quite controversial. But yeah, uh, I remember seeing done. it uh, at Frankfurt Show. I think it was launched at Frankfurt Show, and the, the, they chose to launch it in a it was gold exterior color with a matching interior, mm. which said a lot about the markets that they're going for with Bentley Bentayga, kind of Middle East. Uh, but uh, yeah, certainly Middle didn't. East yeah, it certainly yeah. didn't. Um, <laughs> I, I paused at the Bentley stand as opposed to standing there and staring. Well, I think with your shades on. Well, I think to, to offset the, the impact, they did have a couple of Mulsanne parked around, which sort of yeah. balanced things out a little bit. Um, the car itself to drive is phenomenal. I didn't expect it to be quite as nimble as it is. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm getting the impression that Steve's kind of trying to gently hurt me into the, uh, the whole realm of drifting and <laughs> getting it crooked and so forth. Uh, because we did ice driving with this thing, yeah, really? uh, which, okay. you know, in a three ton, well, three million rand, two and a half ton SUV, you know, it's not the most comfortable thing to do. But I think I've beat my drift record in the M5 by at least eight or ten centimeters. It's <laughs> really quite. That's all right. Just tell us where you were again. I was in Kitzbühel, up, up in the Tyrolean Alps in Austria, um, and I had the pleasure of spending the night there, one night. Yeah, they just dropped me in. Mm. <laughs> but no, the, the car is genuinely impressive. It's it's loosely based on uh, Audi Q7. Um, Bentley will never admit that. <laughs> of course not. No, no. Um, similar thing with the engine. It's it's a Porsche derived unit, but Bentley, of course, will claim that they uh, took bits off and replaced it with. Whittled elm and so forth, <laughs> uh, and, but it's it's a it's a corking unit, and again, it's for me it's another case of the V8 being the pick of the litter. Yeah. Yeah. I drove the previous generation uh, Continental GT V8 alongside the uh, the W12 Speed, and the V8 has an even better soundtrack. It's mm. more tractable. It's more agile, and it's got more than enough punch. Mm. And that was equally the case mm. with with the V8 Ventega. And who do you think the W12 in this car would appeal to? Uh, I think people with shares in OPEC okay. will, will enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, they, I mean, I think Bentley 
didn't make hay while the sun shines because that Rolls Royce Cullen is on the way. Yeah. And I suspect it's going to be um, certainly a better looking car for me. Um, Maybe more stately too. Yeah, and I don't know if, if I mean, that's only going to happen at uh, the end. They've already said that it won't mm. be anything else but that. Um, <coughs> so, yeah, I think the I think Bentley, especially with the W12, uh, must try and sell as many as they can because I think once the Cullen arrives, they might find it a bit more difficult. Mm. True that. And not to be undone, uh, we've got a set out in turn also to the big time. We send him on a Renault Quid one litre dynamic and now it has an automatic transmission. And I did get, I saw one of them at the airport when I got back and the, the automatic, the, the, the gear shift lever is in the dashboard like an air conditioner. Yes, it's a, it's a dial. On yeah. The, on the, so you dial it in. Complete polar opposite end of the Bentley in terms of the <laughs> SUV crossover stakes, down to the cheapest SUV crossover automatic available in our market. But you got to start somewhere, Damien. Right? Yeah, 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 you'll get there one day. Um, my first launch, um, my first encounter with the automated manual, yeah. um, also my first encounter with the quid, so I could take it all in. Um, starting at the hundred and forty-six thousand nine hundred. The Quid is now the cheapest automatic money you can buy in South Africa. It's a surprisingly important car. Um, according to Renault, they say that 70% of Quid buyers are black female South Africans, of which almost half are first-time new car buyers. Mm. Um, yeah, so for me, the, the Quid was actually surprisingly comfortable. In, the, in town and stuff, but unfortunately our launch route was about 90% highway driving and I was very um, unsettled to say the least um, <laughs> on, on, on the highway in the quid because it, it has a, a 180 millimeter ground clearance. Mm. So that means the wind plays with it and it weighs less than 700 kilograms. Mm. And uh, if you need to overtake a truck or something, you have to time it. You, and, and now you, you, you're not counting on yourself to, to do the down changes. And uh, the quid actually has a very nice blip on the throttle in this AMG. So it does rev match. On the down, yes, it yes. rev matches on the, on the down shift. Just like a 370Z. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> and the, the three-cylinder makes a decent noise when it does it. Right. But the, the upshifts are, are where it, it, it all falls apart because um, it lurches. Mm -hmm. and you have to take your foot off the accelerator while you're going forward to avoid that lurch mm -hmm. and there's no indication as to when the car is changing so you have to sort of just feel that so it's going to engage so when you, when you know it's going to change with the rev when you feel the revs or hear the revs you, you come off the throttle come off the throttle before it changes to sort of during the change so you almost hear the uh, like old yeah. SMG box it's yeah. the size of the manual yeah. Yeah. so it's yeah. not yeah. waiting for that yeah. And can you manually override the, the transmission? No, you can't. No, you can't. Yes. Um, another interesting thing is that, well, the, actually the first thing I noticed when driving was that it doesn't have creep function. So you take your foot off the brake, nothing happens. You have to touch the accelerator to settle. And because it doesn't creep forward, you have to use your handbrake on an incline. Which for me sort oh, of... Will it go back? That's going to roll back, yeah. okay. yes. So that for me, that nice. sort of undoes why you buy an automatic because mm. you don't want you to control. To, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I guess it, many of the people who are going to buy this car would probably be learning. But could you just put your foot through the brake and then 
come with the right answer. Like, uh, no, but you need to. Yes, you can do that, but there will be that that rollback. So you almost have to use the accelerator as a means of, of, of okay. holding the car. You need the hill hold yeah, punch. Yeah. 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 Um, another few things that I found was that the quid doesn't hide its affordability. So, for example, there's no grab handles inside. There's no, only three wheel nuts. Um, no string on the partial shaft to hold it up. Um, Strings are expensive. Yeah, <laughs> and they add a lot of weight. Yeah. Yeah, look, it'll be interesting. I, and an optional service plane. Obviously, yeah, 45,000 you can add on. Nice. Two, two services. Yeah, there's a couple of hundred bucks. Obviously, um, they wouldn't have touched on it at this launch, but obviously the quid, when we've tested it, we've... Um, highlighted the fact that it doesn't come with ABS. Yes, no, they did uh, They did highlight that fact and they are aware of it. They mentioned that they're looking to add ABS by the end of 2019 and 2020 to add a passenger airbag. Um, but obviously that will involve costs mm. and at the, at the price point it might put the quid against, for example, a base Swift or mm. a base Fiesta yeah, for me, I don't buy it. I mean, I, I hear a lot of people saying that uh, people want to buy a new car, and for them this is great because it's an affordable new car. Um, I don't know, for me, I would buy a, a second-hand Sendero. If I wanted mm. to stay in the Renault brand, whatever I did, I would buy something that had a bit more safety than a, than a quid or felt more stable on the road. Yeah, no, but that's just me. Clearly, there's a lot of people buying quids, so they don't share our same uh, sentiment. Yeah, it's a, it's a big seller. I mean, what, what are they shifting... This will push it up even more. So it, 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 that's the key question with a car like this and with the Datsun Go. Um, it's the same platform, right? Mm. Yeah. Is, is no, 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 it's not. It's not. Isn't it? No, this shares with the uh, Ready Go, uh, which oh, is in India. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, do 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 you if you want to buy a new car, if you want an affordable car, do you sacrifice these things or not in in, in our current market? Conditions and we've we all know that we grew up. You guys, yeah. <laughs> no, I, the other guys, the rest of us, we grew up driving cars without any of this kind of stuff. I don't all. have ABS or Jack. You have a mini, you have yeah. an old mini. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. For me, Mark, the, you know, the driving conditions on the road have changed so much. The mm. speeds have mm. increased. There's so much more traffic. You you rely on, on on emergency braking so much more now than ever before. Yeah. and that's where this car uh, really defeated. I mean, I, I, I don't know if any of you guys were in. Testing, doing the, the our, our ten stop, our ten consecutive emergency braking events when we tested um, the Datsun Go, all this quid. Plus, I mean, it was properly scary. Yeah. To, yeah. to slam on the brakes without ABS. No, the thing is, you, you could go through your whole life and never having to do an emergency stop, but that one time you need it. Uh, yeah. And you need to remember how, if you can cadence brake or if you, you know, I mean, it's just. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me. I don't know. I mean, I know how to cadence brake, but I, I, I know that if, if 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 I'm in that car and something happens, I'm gonna. Like instinctively yeah. just yeah. smash that pedal down and the car goes sideways it skids it, mm. it, it does all kinds of things for me it's also a psychological thing I, I noticed it when I drove the Go that when you know that there's no ABS or you know there's no driver aids and the car's as wafty and yeah. uh, sort of imprecise as it is it genuinely sets you on edge mm. even though you, you might yeah. not have to stand on the brakes mm. or do anything you just Knowing you don't have that safety net is a little bit unsettling. Well, I suppose it does make you drive a little bit more conservatively, so that would help as well. But the other thing now is, is with this car, a lot of buyers are going to be young. So young, inexperienced drivers, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, the, the 
that, that those are not people who are, who are going to be the most adept drivers, certainly experienced enough to know what to do. So that's a little worrying. But then again, you know, it makes you mobile. And um, as Dion Joubert famously said to us, it's safer than a scooter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last question though, Damien. Renault Quid mm. RS. Is that on the cards? In no, the definitely no. don't think so. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just think for me, uh, as a buyer, it's down to education mm. um, and unpacking what it is you look for in a car. And if I were to think of myself looking for a car at, at around 140,000, I'd, I'd make the, the second hand market my breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, first, your first, um, your first launch, well done. I read your review online and the one for the magazine was. Balanced and well written. So well you can stay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks, guys. And uh, yeah, look out for road tests of uh, a couple of the cars we've spoken about in the forthcoming issue. And um, yeah, carry on uh, checking out the news stories on carmag.co.za, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>